A couple of them said they'd been smacked on the butt by either you know, accounts they were selling to or, or by a coworker. Hey, you're 86. I'm Justin Myers, and this is a show about how bartenders handle bad situations. As in many different careers, women face a unique set of challenges on all sides of the wine industry. My guest today is Maura Passanisi. She's an advanced sommelier and has worked in wine production, retail service, and more. She's the co-founder of the Deladonna Women Winemaker Festival, happening this Sunday in Oakland. Check the link in the show notes for more info on that. Let's hear what she had to say about her experience in this industry. Just moved up. Like, we have to bottle that next day. So, you know, what can you do? That's, yeah. that's small business life. That's um, Yeah, you can't just phone it in when your name's on the label, I guess. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about just general, speaking of challenges, let's talk about general challenges that you face in this industry like gender aside but just what do you come up against day to day or or in the long term that you struggle with um generally uh, one of the biggest ones for me and I guess this is kind of gender-based but not really is that I just happen to be a very petite person (laughs) and physically uh Doing this job physically, first of all, most spaces are designed for just the the average person, which is a taller person. Um, so counter heights and shelf heights and um, having to reach, you know, across the table in between people to pour a bottle gets more uncomfortable when you're you're shorter and like your arm doesn't reach. Mm-hmm. Like here, let me let me you know, really jam myself in between two people so I can reach and get that bottle like an appropriate distance on the, you know, on the table. Um, Definitely there. This job is a very physical job and uh, there are some, some issues with that. And also I think it's not a self-confidence issue, but wine is such a massive, uh, a subject and a career where, there is so much to know. You can never know everything. Like no one can ever really be an expert because you can come at it with so from so many different ways. From, um, you know, the grape side, from the production side, from the service side, from a geographical side, from a geological side. Um, there's there's so much to know, and so it's it's kind of being comfortable with the fact that you're just. You're never going to know everything. Mm-hmm. There's always something more to learn. Um, it's always changing, too. It's always changing. Um, and that's it's the beauty of the industry, that there's always something new, something interesting. There's always something more to learn that's really uh, fascinating to me. But it can also, you know, be a struggle to, I don't know, for me to feel confidence that, I can talk to all my customers and really know what I'm talking about and be able to answer all of their questions. I, I guess it's kind of a balance between being exciting and being overwhelming. Yes. Yeah. Um, a double-edged sword. I guess. <laughs> uh, so do you feel any of these challenges you face, you are put at a disadvantage because you're a woman? Like, would men have an easier time handling these things or are these kind of things just the same for everyone or um physicality i'm sure for unless there is 
a man who is as short as I am, which that exists in the world, but very rarely. Uh, physicality, I think men have an easier time. Um, and not with most things, like not with production, not with carrying cases of wine, just how things are placed and designed um, and for just, you know, the history of the world. Um, mm-hmm. It's, you know, been for men. Um, so certainly I think there's some advantages there. Knowledge-wise, absolutely not. Um, there may be self-confidence um, advantages. I think your average uh, man, and let's say white man, uh, just doesn't go through kind of the cultural beatdown that women go through when you're growing up. Um, and, um, so I think that women feel a lot more, um, self-confidence issues than, than, than men do. How does that play into your career? Does that work against you in career movement or, or day to day? Both. Um, what we feel ourselves, I think ties into how we project to customers and, but also customers have these issues as well. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I myself and numerous women I know have dealt with customers who will come in and be like, oh, are you, how much do you know? Do you know what you're talking about? Mm. Is there a man around I can talk to? Um, do you find that both female and male customers have that attitude? Yes, unfortunately so. And I think with women, it's not not as much women under the age of 40, but certainly my parents' generation uh, women will come in and just not be sure that a young woman knows what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I've been asked, like, not right now, but previously I've been asked, like, oh, are you, are you even 21? Like, do you, do you know what you're talking about at all? So there is absolutely that aspect to it. And it, it affects you. Um, I would like to think I'm a confident person, but absolutely there are times when I don't feel as confident making a career move, um, I question myself, like, oh, are you really ready for this job? Do you really have what it takes? Um, you know, can you do this? And I think, well, not I think, studies show that, mm-hmm. um, you know, men will go for a job if they feel like they have half the qualifications and women don't go for it unless they have 100% of the qualifications. Um, they just don't try for it. Um, so there's that. And that, that shows you know, how many businesses are run by men, you know, how many men are in top positions versus women. Absolutely, career-wise, it it plays itself out. Yeah, it's true in a lot of industries. Have you, because I'm relatively new to the wine industry, but or the wine side of the industry, um, do you see that playing out among, like, levels of sommeliers or, or positions at top restaurants or opening businesses and in this industry as well? Absolutely. Yes. Um, this industry has been a very male dominated industry in always for forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do believe it's changing now. More and more women are, um, you know, uh, taking certification tests and climbing that ladder, becoming master songs, becoming master of wines, opening their own businesses, um, you know, going to UC Davis and getting their degree in viticulture and enology, 
um, and um, taking further steps, asserting themselves more, um, and, and getting into top positions, which is really fantastic. Um, it's still going to be a long time before it's ever equal, um, but I, I definitely feel that change is coming and progress is happening. Mm. So you've you've kind of had experience in a lot of different sides of the industry. I know you've done stuff on the production side and you're putting this event together, working with wineries. Historically, what has the role of women been in the wine world? So hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of years ago, um, women used to run um, taverns, like your village tavern, your roadside tavern, and um, would be well known, would make a name for themselves by how good their their wine, which was, you know, just made from their family farm. Mm-hmm. Um, this is in Europe? In Europe, yeah. Um, and same in the beer industry for that matter. Um, you know, places, villages, and women would, would be known for this product they created way, way back when, a long time ago. It's like, I think, medieval times, Renaissance times, um, women were well known for this. We're well known for making wine, um, you know, as as a product uh, on their own, you know, from their from their family farms. Uh, and then that that changed. <laughs> mm. And then you know, moving on from that, it was really a family, and the um, women obviously always helped on those family farms, you know, uh, it takes a family to, to run a vineyard. Um, but men became more well known for the product. And so, you know, um, it was a shift. It was originally like, Oh, that lady's wine is the best. And then it was that family. And then family became synonymous with man of the family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for all of these, you know, vineyards and wineries that have, uh, been a family business, you know, been in the family for generations and generations. There's always been a woman there helping out. And even if you're not, um, you know, the salesperson, the name of the face, you know, everyone's helping out in the field. Everyone's helping out in production because you have to. Um, and even if they're not doing that, they're supporting the family while the man is going out and and doing it so they've always been there assisting it just it became more of a background role um and then you know now hopefully it's coming back to the forefront and you're starting to see that change shift back to being more equal now you think i think so yeah um i think that's kind of tied to the me too movement a little bit and just um, naturally, culturally, um, we're kind of getting to that point where, um, women, you know, are making more leaps and bounds, um, over the generations. And, um, you know, I see younger generations that are being even more, um, aggressive maybe is not the right word, but, um, you know, um, really making more strides. So I think with every generation, it gets better and better. What is the landscape kind of right now on both the service side and the production side? And where do you see it going maybe in the next five, 10 years? 
Production side is a really interesting question. Um, it's so hard to be a small winemaker these days in California specifically because land is so expensive. Yeah. Um, and property is so expensive. Um, the only people who can buy land these days um, in one of the major areas that have a name for themselves are incredibly wealthy people. Um, so either you, you have to be that or you have to um, finance a lot. Um, you need a lot of money to make wine. Um, you know, you, there's a lot of upfront costs you have to buy the grapes. You have to, you know, rent the space, uh, production, um, harvest time, actually making the wine. There are a lot of costs associated with that. And then you hope that you get paid for that wine on the back end and can pay everything off. So there's a lot of upfront money uh, that needs to happen. And there are these wonderful co-op spaces that are um, cropping up. I mean, there's always been custom crush facilities, but I feel like that's, becoming more and more popular because you can reduce costs um, if you're sharing spaces and you're sharing equipment with people. And it's allowing younger winemakers to, to start projects uh, and, and be innovative and try new grape varieties because they're more affordable than mm -hmm. Cabernet Sauvignon and Pinot Noir. Um, and so I think it's, it's really exciting um, to have these... Um, younger winemakers um, not go the traditional route of fundraising a bunch of money buying land and, and and making wine of one of your you know big seven grapes and um seeking out new spaces and seeking out new grapes and you know being more creative uh and, and innovative with their wine i feel like that's really exciting and that's definitely up and coming in California and the California wine scene. Um, and I think that's all for the better. You know, we don't have here in California this um, longstanding history uh, of winemaking like mm -hmm. Europe does. You know, it doesn't go back a thousand years. Um, and so there's still so much more room for uh, experimentation here. You know, we, we haven't figured out exactly what variety works and exactly what climate um, in, in what location here. Uh, and so there's so much, much more room, um, to try out new things. Um, and, uh, I also see that people are expanding into new areas as well. You know, Napa and Sonoma are great, Santa Inez Valley, Central Coast, but there's much more arable land that can be planted and, and grown here in California. So there's, um, a lot going on there. And then in the service side, I definitely see in the future a move away from the really formal service, like court of master sommelier yeah. service. I think restaurants, specifically here in San Francisco, are definitely moving away and have been moving away for a while now from white tablecloth, um, uber fine service. You know, it's this casual fine dining concept. Yeah. Um, and I see that with wine bars too, and that it's a very less stuffy, uh, formal look to wine bars. Um, they're getting more casual. There's this whole new concept um, that has existed in Europe for a while of being a 
half bottle shop, half wine bar, where you can buy a bottle and open it and drink it there. Um, so there's that whole movement as well. Um, so I think there's a lot of a lot of change happening right now, which is super exciting. So would you say that because there's all that change, because there was sort of the the old guard establishment of the industry, which is typically male dominated, is is changing a lot? Would you say that that opens a lot of opportunity for things to be more equal, just because the industry itself is changing? I think so, absolutely. Um, and there are still plenty of women who are um, going that old guard route, like becoming master sommeliers and, and working within um, that culture and that uh, that those tiers, that ladder, which is fantastic. Um, but I think, yeah, all these all these changes that are happening are opening up opportunity for women. Um, and um, I just think it, it definitely is becoming more comfortable mm. and more equal. Are there certain aspects of the industry that you feel women have more of an advantage in? Um, I read a study once that said that uh, people tend to trust men more when it comes to alcoholic beverages uh, and bartending and women more when it comes to food. Hmm. That's just a natural bias everyone has, apparently. And I, I guess I do feel like people uh, in the various places I've worked, uh, people tend to really trust me on food and wine pairing hmm. ideas. Uh, and I happen to love food and, and cooking and, and restaurants and, and all that. So maybe that's just uh, a personal passion I have that that comes across. Um, it's one of my favorite questions to get in a retail or a wine bar space is, oh, I'm, I'm having this dish. I'm making this dish. What pairs well with it? Mm -hmm. I love that because for me, food and wine are absolutely tied together. I think women come across as more homey comforting to people um i think so there's that kind of more relaxed comfortable vibe um that women tend to give off that maybe you don't necessarily get with a man uh and so depending on the situation um you know what you're in a restaurant or you're in a wine bar um I think that can be a big advantage um, that women have. People are more comfortable or people feel women are more approachable. Yeah. So it makes, I guess that's a double-edged sword too. It can make some interactions more challenging, but some interactions easier. Right, exactly. Um, you know, for the customer, it, it, it might be a more relaxing uh, interaction but you also get the flip side of that, of like, you know, women uh, who are sales reps and have to sell to men or, mm. you know, uh, women who own a place and, and men sell to them. And I think the line gets a little too comfortable there. Um, mm. You know, that line can get blurred. Um, have you seen the examples of that that have led to problems on the on the sales side? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um <sighs> You know, things like, um, I was talking with uh, some industry friends last night, uh, 
a couple of them said they'd been smacked on the butt mm. by either you know accounts they were selling to or or by a coworker, um, which is highly inappropriate. But even um, men thinking you know they can hug you as opposed to shaking your hand. Um, and then there's like that, if you do it once, there's like that standard where you have to hug them every time. Um, and that's, you know, it's something close friends do, but it's certainly not something you want to do with every account or with every customer you have. Um, there's just that sense of intimacy that probably shouldn't be there, uh, between male, female interactions in a workplace. Um, so, yeah, stuff like that. Um, and especially, you know, in this industry, in a service industry, serving people you're, or, or a sales industry, you're working hard to please somebody. That's what service and sales is all about. Um, you know, you're, you're putting on a show, you're being nice, you're being accommodating. Um, and there's a lot of... Um, power issues that you know go into that um for for the worse um you know i want you to buy this product or you know uh so you're smiling and and you know joking and laughing and trying to create that sense of intimacy and and joviality and i think um, that gets taken advantage. It creates this atmosphere that seems more intimate than it actually is mm-hmm. or should be. Um, and so that can create a lot of issues. How do you set boundaries, whether it's um, with someone you're trying to sell cases of wine to or even just customers? Um, how do you personally set boundaries for yourself that allow you to be successful but not lose yourself or lose anything you know i i try hard to set firm boundaries um i naturally am uh, an introvert which i think works well for me um and i'm a little shy so it takes me a while to warm up to people um which i think works to my benefit Mm. so that i keep things kind of at a distance and very professional at first until like a regular um, or an account is used to me or I'm used to them. And then I can kind of relax and open up and chat more with them and build that relationship. Um, Is it a conscious process of setting boundaries or, or is there anything that you think about like I need to do these things because this can't get out of hand? Yes. Absolutely. Um, you know, just keeping a physical barrier, you know, mm-hmm. keeping distance that way. Um, not, you know, um, engaging with a table, a customer, an account, um, but making sure that, um, I don't know, I'm not oversharing or like engaging in uh the small talk the the other talk for for too long you know making sure that um i'm keeping things like precise and to the point and not being reticent um hopefully 
but not engaging in like a lot of a lot of talk, a lot of discussion, um, and really keeping that physical barrier um, at um, it, it's tough because it's it's kind of a game, you know. You're you're playing a game to uh, get these sales. Um, There's a lot of pressure. Yeah, absolutely. So it could be easy to kind of let yourself go and and do something that you maybe don't feel is okay just because of the pressure. But it seems like it's not it's not worth it. Like yeah, maybe maybe you'll get a sale because you had to put up with getting your butt slapped, but like is it really worth it? Did you did you really need that sale or probably there could be another way to get it? Yeah, there is a lot of pressure to make the sale in all of this industry, you know, you need your profit margins, you need your commission. And so it, it makes for a tricky situation. Um, and there was this great panel, um, put on last year at Minimo wine bar in Oakland with, um, Pamela Bush of the Vanguard. It was a panel of industry people talking about uh, the difficulties, you know, Hmm. based on kind of came out of the me too movement. And, you know, a lot of the people talked about having that exact pressure. Like, how much do you want to flirt or joke with, um, you know, an account to make that sale? And what do you do as a boss, a manager, who, when your employee comes to you and says, I have an issue, this account, this customer crossed the line. And um, there was a man on the panel, uh, Eric Dansch. He was the only man on the panel. Um, it was great of him to be on it. And he, when answering that question, said, well, I take that woman off the account. So they don't have to deal with that, with that um, customer anymore. And um, we all said, yeah, that's great. But you're kind of punishing the woman that way. Mm-hmm. Like, so they're, they don't get that chance to make that sale anymore. Um, and you're giving it theoretically to a man who wouldn't have that same sexual tension. And then he gets the sale. Uh, and actually by the end of the panel, he was like, I, yeah, I see how that, that isn't a good idea. I should just, we should just close that account, not sell to that person anymore. Um, which is the appropriate thing to do because a, it's teaching that account that you have to treat people properly mm. and respectfully to get our business. Um, and it's a hard decision to make, though, because, again, you're losing that sale. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was kind of my next question is a lot of people do these things that are not appropriate. And, and this doesn't justify it, but I think some people just don't understand. No one's ever told them that it's not okay and maybe they grew up in a world where they saw everyone doing those things around them. You know, I remember when I was in college, people used to do things that are like really not acceptable. And I remember thinking like, oh, it's like, we, th- like things we would say and like jokes we would make, which are they're not okay. They were never okay, but everyone is around you doing that. And so um, that is one great example of, of just not selling them anymore to teach them a lesson. Are there other ways in other situations that we can sort of, firmly and effectively educate someone that like 
hey, it's not okay to slap your sales rep's butt. Well, certainly it's a it's a conversation you can have as well. Um, and one that has happened and is happening more and more these days, I think women um, for ages have been taught to, you know, ignore that treatment, kind of push it aside, bury it under the rug. And um, with each successive generation these days have gotten better at, you know, speaking firmly, calling people out, having that conversation. Uh, and there's a way to do it that I think is is civil and respectful. It doesn't need to be, um, you know, hateful or um, full of vitriol. Um, doesn't need to be nasty. But it is a conversation that, that needs to happen. Um, I think, you know, stay, staying silent is definitely not the right thing to do. Yeah, it's kind of proven. Yeah. It's been proven. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think, you know, closing the account is certainly a thing, but maybe having the conversation when you're closing the account is... This is why we're closing your account, because yeah. you can't treat our employees like that. Yeah. So what do you think both men and women can do? What are some things both men and women can do day-to-day in this industry that will help us move forward into a place of more equality? I think a big thing is uh, being open to others' experiences and listening to them. And that is all across the board, uh, management to employee, man to woman, woman to woman, man to man. Um, Just uh, trying not to make assumptions and uh, really listening to someone else's experience and what they have to say, what they have to tell you, where they're coming from um, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I think that that really helps at least, you know, start that conversation and, and set an atmosphere of uh, respect and um, equality and kind of hopefully levels out the playing field a little bit. Um, so when you start from a place of assumptions and you're not, not willing to listen to what somebody else has to say, then I think these stereotypes and these situations and this culture just persists. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was really great to hear your experience. Thank you very much for having me. And good luck with this event coming up. It's very exciting. Thank you very much. That was Maura Pasanisi. This is, of course, a complicated and nuanced issue in an industry that is constantly changing. I believe Mara's advice about really listening to each other rather than just reacting to assumptions is truly the way forward. The Deladonna Women Winemaker Festival is happening this Sunday, July 21st from 2 to 5 p.m. in Oakland, California. You can find links to that and more at your86.com. That's Y-O-U-R-E-8-6.com. And make sure to hit subscribe, hop on our mailing list, and share us with your friends in the industry. We have new conversations every week. I'll see you next time. Thank you.